Well, in a setting like this, I think we have to be honest, where we have thousands and thousands of people all gathered together in one place, though we're sharing space right now, we don't share all the same opinions. In fact, I guarantee you, I am absolutely positive that we have very, very different beliefs and interests represented here. And this is true in all areas. It's true in some of the less important things in life. For example, we have huge disagreements here regarding country music. I mean, seriously. Some people think they can follow Jesus and listen to that crap. I just don't even understand it. But uh, it's like others don't. See, it's a, it's a disagreement over a fairly minor thing. Some of you like lima beans. You've got to... That's not a food group. Some of you, and I know you usually remain hidden and silent here, but we know you exist. Some of you actually like Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, seriously? Go back to where you came from, you know? We have these little disagreements here and can't wait to settle the score again this year a little bit later. But some of us, some of us, like Spirit Airlines. Okay, no, maybe none of us like Spirit Airlines, actually. I mean, when someone charges $100 to take a wallet on the airplane, it's probably not something most of us would value. But those are small things. But the truth is here, we have some significant disagreements about way more important issues in life. But I believe on the front end, all of us do agree, across the spectrum of our beliefs, we agree that our world is messed up. I mean, it's upside down. There's something wrong. And in this series we're calling Upside Down, we're trying to answer the important question, why is it messed up? And you, you need to know, you can go to a lot of different places that may or may not wrestle with that question. You can go to universities and academic centers, you can go to community groups, you can go in a lot of places where you get all kinds of different opinions, and that's okay. But we need you to know on the front end here, no hidden agenda. At Northridge, when we're asking the important questions like, why is the world upside down? We turn to Jesus Christ and His truth, the Bible, for our answers with no apology. That's what we're looking to and who we're looking to. And it's important that, yeah, you can applaud that if you want. It's just important that you know we believe in a free society that there should be the freedom to declare the truth that we believe of Jesus Christ so that the world can know it. It's not to jam it down people's throats. It's not to say we're absolutely wanting you to have to do it, but we are saying if what Jesus said is true, believing it is your only hope, and you need to know it. And so that's what we're doing in this series. And then each of us has to decide if Jesus answers make sense to us or not. And so that's what this place is about, considering Jesus' truth, Jesus' answers, what Jesus says, and then giving you an opportunity 
to decide. But before deciding, let's not be like most people on this planet and not even hear it because we already have our set agenda. Since the world's so messed up, can we just acknowledge the agenda hasn't been good for most people. So we give Jesus a hearing and then we decide. And we're looking at this weekend our nature as human beings. And according to Jesus, there are two major problems with our natural values as human beings, those, those values that we have by nature. And here's the first. By nature, according to Jesus, we value the wrong things. He says, you want to know why the world's messed up? You want to know why it's filled with darkness instead of light, despair instead of hope? It's because by nature... Human beings value the wrong things. We're given a clear glimpse as to why in the passage 2 Timothy 4.10. It's actually talking about a guy named Demas who sang the Christian songs and proclaimed to be a committed follower of Jesus, but in the end he betrayed Jesus and all those who followed him, and it tells us why. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, the Apostle Paul said because he loved this world. Why by nature do we have the wrong values? It's because by nature, the only thing we're connected to is this moment, the here and now. We have nothing else but the here and now. And when you make choices and decisions based upon the here and now exclusively, you're going to make bad choices almost always. Just the way it is. And so by nature, we embrace the wrong values, Jesus tells us. But it goes further. By nature, we value the right things, but we do it without valuing people. Now, this is really an important truth. Let's say we start to make changes in our life. We know our values are messed up. We're, we're valuing the wrong things. And then we start saying, oh, this is a better value. This is a better value. This is a better value. But by nature, because we're still locked in the here and now temporary view of the world instead of the eternal, by nature, even as we start embracing the right values, we still don't value people the way we ought to. And can I tell you in the end, the only reason for values is how it benefits others, the world, not just ourselves. That's here and now. Jesus gave us a great example of this in an experience he had on this world in John chapter 8. Let's just read it how it's presented. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders of that day, brought in a woman caught in adultery. She was caught acting out sexual immorality, compromising God's view of the use of sexuality. And we've talked about that in this series. They made her stand before the group in public and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. She's not choosing God's way. She's living in sexual immorality. And in the law of Moses, they went on to say, we're commanded to stone, kill such a woman. Now, what do you say, Jesus? And then this aside's the important part. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
It's interesting. Jesus was getting the crowds. Jesus was getting the attention. The Pharisees and religious leaders were losing it. And so, because their view was on the here and now, in spite of their religion, they wanted to keep their power. They wanted to keep their prestige. They wanted to keep their positions. They wanted to be successful. And Jesus was robbing them of that. So, what did they have to do? Get rid of Jesus! So they were using this woman in the circumstance to try and show that he was a turncoat, that he wasn't following God at all. And that's the situation we have. But here's what you need to see. These people embraced the right morality. She really was compromising herself sexually, sinning against God sexually. But they didn't value her. So they had the right morality, but they didn't value her. And here's the sad reality that Jesus teaches. You can claim all the right moral values, but if you don't value people supremely, you're still immoral. And very often this is exactly what happens in the name of God, in the name of religion in churches. And as a result, many people reject truth and hope and Jesus and even the concept of God altogether because those who claim to represent him don't reveal his love by valuing people. They're using his truth and what he says to elevate themselves. And it's immoral. It's messed up. And so with that as the introduction, let's dive into the truth of this weekend's talk on the upside down. When a person has Jesus' view of the world, they don't have the here and now view that led Demas to walk away from God and his truth, but they have Jesus' view, which says, in the here and now, I'm going to live for eternity for God's pleasure, for what God wants. When people have Jesus' view of the world, they value people supremely. Now, why is this important to say? Because we're in a church that's saying we want to follow Jesus. We're a group of people in general that are saying we want to follow Jesus. And yet, in groups like this, as we saw with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, there are tons of people who are declaring their allegiance to Jesus, but they look nothing like Jesus. Their view hasn't changed. They're living for the here and now and not for the eternal. But when a person, if we really do have Jesus' view of the world, when a person has Jesus' view of the world, they value people supremely. Just so you know, this isn't something I'm making up. Look at what Jesus said, John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. And then he defines how. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did he love them? When they agreed with him? No. When they did all the right things? No. When they didn't hurt him? No. He loved them when they fully rejected him and they put him on a cross. He died for those who despised him. As I have loved, so you must love. And then he says, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples, because you vote right. What? By this will everyone know that you're my disciples, 
If you love one another, if you value other people supremely. Now for me, and remember, this is, I'm a human being and I'm, my nature is really messed up. Uh, and so I, I have to, I have to learn how he can shape me. And so as I've analyzed this, I've realized why this is an important truth and I'm just sharing it with you this weekend. What are the reasons that valuing people supremely is so important? Well, let me just throw them out. You can take them further in your own life. One is that people are created in God's image. People are created, Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So people are created in God's image. So it's simple. When you value people, you're valuing God. When you're not valuing people, you're not valuing God. There's a lot of Christianity that's not a lot like Christ. Have you noticed? There's a lot of me that sometimes isn't like Christ. Why is it important to value people supremely? Because people are eternal. That's what Jesus tells us. Look at 1 John 2.17. The world and its desires pass away. It's just the here and now. It's temporary. Don't build your life on it. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. We were created in God's image and we were created for eternity because people, all people are eternal. They are the supreme value in the temporary world. And isn't it sad? So many people value stuff and philosophies and ideas more than they value people. Now that's natural. It's just not like Jesus. Why does Jesus tell us it's important to value people supremely? Because loving people supremely is the cornerstone of all morality. All morality stems from it. Again, look at what Jesus says through Paul, Romans 13. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and you know, whatever other commandment there may be from God, they're all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Think about it. We don't need to know any of the commands or moral codes that God gives us in order to do right. If we love people supremely, we will do right. And we will treat people right. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. If I really love someone, am I going to steal from them? If I really love someone, am I going to tear their lives apart for my own benefit? No. And one last reason Jesus gives us for loving people supremely, valuing people supremely, is that God loves people supremely. And I know that's bottom shelf, but hey, the religious leaders and Pharisees said that they loved God and yet they were willing to use a woman and treat her like nothing. That's not God. 
because God loves people supremely. Look at how he says it again, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, his enemies dismissing him, rejecting him, and denying him. Christ still died for us. That's his love. Look at 1 John 4.11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Why should we value people supremely? Because God values people supremely. If I'm going to honor God, I have to love and value what God loves and values. And in the end, it's people. Okay, so that's the easy part. That's the declaration of truth. You know where it starts getting sticky? It starts getting sticky when then we have to actually live it out. So, so here's the application of the truth. Here's where it starts whew, being necessary for us to choose it and weave it into our lives. If we're going to experience the life and fulfillment that Jesus promised, if we're going to have a relationship with God and know his joy and peace and meaning in our lives, then we need to begin valuing people as he does supremely. We have to start doing it. We have to start... Stop talking about how he did it, and we have to actually start doing it. Begin valuing people supremely. In fact, this is what Jesus taught us in the great command. This is the great command. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but he couldn't stop there. He says, oh, and by the way, the second is like it. The second is in partnership with it. The second is essential as an outcome of it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. God couldn't give one commandment, love me with all your heart. He had to say, but when you do, of course, you'll love others with all your heart. Simply, you can't love God with all your heart, soul, and mind without loving people supremely. You can sing about it. You can declare it. You just can't actually do it. Jesus' view transforms us. If all of us genuinely loved God and one another, we would be experiencing a very different world. Our world would be right side up and not upside down down. This is an essential issue for us to get a hold of. So, learning to overcome our nature and begin genuinely loving people is the way to changing our lives, our families, and our world. But that leads to another important question. How? Now, you can get all kinds of advice and direction on this from all kinds of different places, but once again, here at Northridge, we turn to one place. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It matters what Jesus Christ and his truth say. And how did he say we can experience his promises and love people supremely? Well, let me give you his how, his means. He starts here. We value people supremely by actually respecting the God-given value of all people. I'm not saying it, but actually doing it. By, by respecting the God-given value of all people. Look at how James says it in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, you know the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, well, you're doing great, you're doing right. 
But if you show favoritism, if you favor one group or another, if you have any prejudice or bigotry, you hold one group in higher esteem than others, you sin and are convicted by the law of lawbreakers. Ooh. So he's not saying we have to value and give respect to the God-given value of certain people, but of all people. That changes everything. If my view is in the here and now, I'm going to value and respect the people who best benefit me. But if I'm looking through Jesus' eyes, I'm going to value and respect all people because God didn't die for a few. God died for the world out of love. This is an essential issue. If we're going to value people supremely, we need to begin respecting the God-given intrinsic value of every person, and you better follow this caveat forward, of every person regardless of the choices they've made, what they look like, where they come from, what they believe, what they do or have done, or where they're at in life. Of course, this doesn't mean that we support all the things they believe and all the things they do. So many people think valuing someone means affirming everything they say and valuing everything they believe. Wrong! Jesus didn't. We just read about the adulterous woman. Did he say, they're disrespecting you, I'm valuing you, in fact, your chosen career is awesome, good for you, go out and be who you want to be. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, God made you, and I value you, and I refuse to disrespect you like these religious leaders are. But then he looked at her and says, but you're ruining your life. Go and sin no more. He made it clear she was living in sin, contrary to God's way, and her choices were destroying her. And he said, go and sin no more. Valuing people supremely, all people, doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable or bring justice in their life for bad behavior. It means that we don't allow all the evil in the world to cause us to forget or stop respecting the God-given value of all people. All right, so that's where I finished that point and I was going to move on to the next point as I was crafting this conversation and, and I realized it's still foggy. Oh, it sounds so good. Everybody's leaning forward. Oh, that sounds pretty good. He sounds like he's being fair. Isn't that nice? Let's go on. And it doesn't resolve any of the real world issues we're facing. And so I thought, okay, I have to, uh, I have to go someplace that, you know, I wish I didn't have to go. What's this really look like to respect the God-given value of all people in the real world in a very difficult and potentially explosive circumstance? What's it really look like? By the way, if someone doesn't talk about this, there are no fixes. We have to address where we really live. And so, I think best illustration, modern day, present tense, real issue right now the Israel-Palestinian conflict. How does this work there? 
isn't it easy to talk about in our little fairy tale world, just far distance from anybody else, and then we go out and we don't change at all? Of course it is, but it's not how it's supposed to be. The Israel-Palestinian conflict, I know, this is a very tense issue with very, very strong feelings on all sides, and I get it. And I, I don't claim, this is very, very important, I don't claim to be an expert on or even know all of the issues involved. In fact, can I just tell you, anyone who claims to be an expert on this issue is a liar. They're representing their point of view, their agenda, their idea. They're not representing the fullness of the view. But let me tell you what I do know. I know that at the heart of the issue, people have lost sight of the God-given value of all people. That's been lost, and it's a problem. I, I want you to know that uh, in the end, if we don't solve this, it's a real problem. So, let me really illustrate it. The hatred of the Jews and Israel is presently consuming so many in the world and at levels that haven't been seen since the Nazis under Hitler's evil leadership. They are getting up and basically declaring the Jews need to be wiped out from sea to sea. And isn't that interesting? In a world where if you mispronoun someone, you're accused of violence and hate speech, but they can get up and declare the removal and murder of all Jews as being a good thing and be accepted is a crazy thing in our world. It's just wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. It happened in Germany and people didn't do anything about it and it was wrong. It can't happen again. But, on the other hand, some in the wake of the despicable acts of Hamas have lost sight of the God-given value of the Palestinian people in general. God made them too. God values them too. So where does the mess come from? I believe the mess is created when we wrongly apply the value of all people by actually defending and excusing and supporting the atrocities and the murderous attacks of a terrorist group like Hamas. That's not appropriately expressing the value of all people. That's actually supporting and defending the murder of people. And it is wrong to the core, though, as individuals, those Hamas people, they too were created by God with value. And we can't forget that. But we can recognize that they've forgotten it. They have chosen to embrace no value for other people. Not the Jews, for sure. But not even their own people. And how do we know it? Because they declare that they love death. And then they, with their leadership influence, put their people at risk, 
putting their care equipment and soldiers underneath hospitals and underneath places where their citizens leave and then don't let them go, even though they're being encouraged to leave so they're not destroyed. But the leaders don't value their people. Because they have leadership in Gaza, the Hamas, like Hitler did in Germany. Those who value others can't stand by and do nothing. It's true that all Palestinians can't be blamed any more than all the Germans could have been blamed for what Hitler and the Nazis did. But those evil leaders need to be brought to justice and stopped in order for the value of people in that part of the world to be restored. And I have to say this, even though when that's done, just as in World War II and removing Hitler, innocent people will suffer. And I have to tell you, it's not to be celebrated. It's to be grieved. It's tragic, it's horrific, it's the worst kind of reality. But people who have no regard for the value of other people cannot be given a free pass in this world to keep leading or they will continue to dispense more horror on the world. And so, from my view of Jesus' teaching, if we really care about and value the Palestinian people, then we can't stand in support of the evil leadership of Hamas or any other influential terror group that values no one but themselves and their own evil ideas. So as hard and horrific as it is, the value of people demands supporting action focused on eliminating this evil group of terror, just as was done against Hitler and against those who perpetrated terror on 9-11, but in doing so, it's not a celebration. We cannot allow ourselves to lose respect for the God-given value of all people. This is the tension we live in. You know, when you live in the here and now, what you want is a quick resolve. Just tell me who to support. Wouldn't it be great? Well, if we're talking about my marriage, always support me over my wife. That's who you should support. You see how easy that is, but how wrong it is? Stop looking for the easy answer that's here and now. And start looking for Jesus' view in your life, the eternal one, and let's try and embrace his truth, which can change our lives in the world, and let's keep respecting people. Then Jesus goes further. He says, next we need to understand that we value people supremely. I mean, how does it act itself out? We value people supremely in our own individual lives, in our own spheres of influence, by being kind, caring, and forgiving. Look at how Ephesians says it in chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Otherwise, rage will rule, which is what leads to terror and evil. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And so again, Jesus with the adulterous woman, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, no kindness, no care, no willingness to extend God's offer of forgiveness.
with Jesus on the other side. He didn't just say, you're forgiven, keep doing what you're doing. But he said, hey, you can be forgiven. Just acknowledge what you're doing is wrong. Turn to me. If we're going to, according to Jesus, value people supremely, then we have to value people supremely by serving them. Not by talking the talk, but by truly walking the walk. And he says it in Mark 10. Jesus called them together, his disciples, and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers and leaders of the Gentiles, those who don't know God, they lord their leadership over their people, and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what they do. They use leadership to benefit themselves. But then he said, Not so with you. If you're going to follow me, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to actually serve. To what extent? To give his life as a ransom for many. He said, I'm the one who created you. But I didn't come so you could serve me. I came so that I could serve you. And as you deny me, I'm going to die in your place. That would change the world if that's how we lived. That's what it means to value people supremely. That would change our social media feed if this is how we viewed life. That'd change our churches, our communities, our marriages, our families, the way we approach politics and the world. And then, he tells us, we value people supremely by giving to and sacrificing for them. First John chapter 3, I mean, it just says it straight up, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And if we're really following him and valuing people supremely, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In fact, he says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so if we're going to see the world turned right side up, we need to start valuing people supremely. And to do that, we have to, like Jesus, be willing to give and sacrifice for them. He's the great example. It's the, what Scripture's about. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's the key to valuing people. Okay, now I think we have to address the elephant in the room. What we've just talked about, valuing people supremely like Jesus did, yeah, we can't do it. Look, I've been trying my whole life. And I just can't do it. Man, my own needs and desires and comforts just get in the way of that thing. There's no one I love on the planet more than my wife, Roxanne, but I'm just telling you, when she gets in my way, whew, I can't do this. 
And you know what Jesus said? We can't do this. And he didn't ask us to. He said, I want to do it through you. This is why religion's not the answer. Religion's what we do. And what we do is always going to be messed up. But if we let Jesus live through us, he's already proven he can love people supremely. And it'll change everything. And so I just need to give you two prerequisites to everything I've already said. This is the solution. This is what it means to turn to Jesus and his truth. This is his conclusion. Two prerequisites that are necessary to loving people supremely. Here's the first one. Being born of God. When we're born through our parents and born with the nature of Adam and Eve, we're born in the here and now and we have the wrong values and always will. It's not going to work. But Jesus made it possible for us to be born of God. Look at 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who genuinely loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Uh, there it is right there. This sentence right here kills me. Whoever does not love like Jesus loved does not know God because God is love. It's simple proof. I'm living in my nature and not his. I'm living with my view, not his. Isn't it time that we stop singing about him and talking about him and declaring that we're following him without being at all like him? Isn't it time we allow him to change us from the inside out? Just before I give you the last prerequisite, I'm going to please ask you if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment. And everyone here has something to consider or talk to God about, but if you're online or here and you've never experienced Jesus forgiving you and making you new, this is your moment. Would you take my words in this prayer and make them yours in your heart to God by faith? Just say, Jesus, I, I need you to change me. I've got the wrong view. I don't love others supremely. I love myself supremely. I've sinned. And so, Jesus, I'm confessing my sin now and putting my trust in you. You died on the cross to forgive me. And you rose from the dead to give me new life. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed with me, let us know. We have actually some things we'd love to give to you that can help you move forward from your decision. We just need to know you made it. So you can text us. You can see the number on your screens, wherever you are. The message is Northridge. Just text it to us. And then we're going to send you a link so that you can tell us what you decide and what's going on. And then we'll send you that information. But one last prerequisite. Here's what I found. Years and years ago, I experienced being born of God, Jesus changing me. But years and years ago, I didn't start valuing people like Jesus did. You know what I did? I kept following my habits, my patterns, my instincts. It's because I hadn't learned to think a new way. 
If we're really going to love people supremely, we need to have the mind of Christ. My mind will always be wrong. His mind will always be right. The question is, whose mind am I leaning on? Look at how Philippians 2 says it. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value people supremely. Not looking to your own interests, not being selfish. When the sound man doesn't like what I'm saying, we're in serious trouble. Uh, Actually, I think the battery died. It says, don't look just out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, and this is the operative phrase, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I need his mindset. When the church goes bad, it's because it's following the wrong mindset. When a husband or wife goes bad, it's they're following the wrong mindset. When a world goes bad, it's because they're following the wrong mindset. Guess what? The world's gone bad. Relationships have gone bad. Cultures are going bad. Christians are going bad. We need a new mindset. And we're committed here at Northridge to helping you develop the mind of Christ in every life stage. This is the focus for all of our groups and all of our studies. I love the testimony of Mariah who came up and said, I used to go from one high to the next after one event to the next. And she goes, you know what I'm learning? It's not enough for God to know me. I need to know him. And she says, so I have now for 153 days been opening his word so I can know him a little bit better because the only way I can have his mind is by knowing and embracing and following his truth. And I have to tell you, last night, not last night, Friday night, I got to hang out and have a conversation with a group of our middle and high school students. I got to sit in a, a circle here on campus with them. and um, I got to attempt, at least, to understand a little more their experiences and their struggles, how they're viewing the world and what we're talking about here. I got to answer some of their questions. One of the kids, he was actually up here on the worship team today, one of the kids said, can you talk to me about why you got kicked out of school four times? And I said, shut up, kid. You know, I mean, I really didn't, but it was like, they really wanted to get to the deeper things in life, you know, and, and then well, the idea was to help them grow spiritually, but you know what happened to me sitting in that circle? They helped me grow spiritually. And so I decided, I decided that I wanted to share that discussion with you. I loved it so much. I, and I think I'm going to release it on my social media outlets and maybe on the YouTube channel for Northridge this week later on, so be looking out for that. But why would I do that? Because my prayer is that like with everything we do here at Northridge, perhaps it will help you further develop your mind in Christ. Because what the world needs isn't more of us. What the world needs is more of Jesus. And the only way that happens through us is if we let him live through us. Let's do it, Northridge, and then we'll be what he wants us to be, the light of the world. So glad you were here. We'll see you next time. <laughs>